people were just enamored by the ability to eat cookie dough. And that first weekend, we had a four-hour line down the street, down the block in the middle of the winter in New York City. People started lining up an hour before we opened, and we ran out every single day, and it was insanity. And everyone was so excited and and telling me how proud they were of me. But what was happening on the inside was it was really hard. I mean, I was obviously so thankful for the response and so thankful for the the people that were waiting outside in the cold and wanting to try this so bad. But for me as a business owner, we were not set up to deal with the demand. I didn't know what the hell I was doing. What doesn't kill you makes you stronger. This is more than a proverb. It's the real story of Kristen Tomlin, founder of Dough, the original gourmet edible and bakeable cookie dough confectionery. After visiting a Philadelphia cookie shop, Kristen was inspired to create cookie dough that was safely edible, something that really didn't exist on the market at the time. She tag teamed with her husband to make cookie dough into an experience and a business all while holding down her full-time job as a designer at a brand consulting firm. Then, out of the blue, illness left her on life support and enduring a three-week hospital stay. As she recovered, Kristen realized that baking during this time made her truly happy, and she eventually decided she was all in. As challenging as it was, before she knew it, her business that started with baking in her tiny Brooklyn apartment, grew through word of mouth and a proactive social media presence. There were lines out the door for nearly a year, and now her unique take on a formerly forbidden treat is now a viral success and has inspired fans worldwide, including A-list celebrities. Now the company with a mission to spread joy employs 55 people, And since opening her shop in New York City's Greenwich Village, she's opened a series of successful pop-ups in cities throughout the country, served over 1 million customers through in-person and online, become an author, launched the first ever edible cookie dough at home baking mixes, partnered with brands like Bloomingdale's, KitchenAid, and Williams-Sonoma, and caught the attention of some of the biggest publications out there. Coming up, You'll hear why Kristen's actual customers became the best possible test market. The mission to teach people how to eat and make safe cookie dough at home. The one thing Kristen wishes she had done before she started her own bakery that would have kept her from having to reinvent the wheel. Why she launched the business online first instead of her original vision of a physical storefront. What happened in the scary moment she decided to tell her boss she was leaving her job. The challenge of fertility treatments while building a successful business. Living by doing you, trusting your gut, and the hell yes or hell no. And a very yummy in-studio taste test. This is the Entrepreneurista Podcast, presented by Socialfly. It's the best business meeting you'll ever have with must-hear real-life looks at how leading women in business are getting it done. And what it takes to build and grow a successful company. It's beyond the gram. With no filters. No limits. And plenty of surprises. 
Kristen, I am so excited for this interview today. This has been a, many months in the making. Yes. We first connected. It was last July. Oh my god, was it was it last that July? Long ago? What, oh my goodness, time goes. Time flies. Last July, you'd actually sent me an email and reached out. I think we were already following each other. Yes, on Instagram. And that's how we initially connected and set this recording date many months ago. So many months ago. Yeah, I think we changed it once and like we're finally here. We, we are made here. It. We are here. And a lot has changed over the past six, seven months. It and has. But what I want to hear about first, and we'll get into more of your personal life and what's going on in just a bit, I just want to hear more about your story and how did your business come to be? Are you an accidental entrepreneur? How did this happen? I mean, kind of, to be honest. I've always been into baking and I've always had this love for being creative. And I guess it started at a very young age. My mom's a chef. I grew up in the kitchen next to her. And she really did, you know, dinners and savory. And I had a huge sweet tooth. So I was always making something for dessert. And cookies were my favorite thing. But really, it was the cookie dough that I was obsessed with and wanting to make it from scratch so that I could eat cookie dough. Who isn't obsessed with cookie dough. (laughs) Exactly. But that was just always kind of a guilty pleasure. And baking for me was always just kind of a release at the end of the day or something I enjoyed sharing with others. I never really anticipated it being a career. So once I was was living in New York, I was working in brand consulting. And I actually came up with the idea because I was with a bunch of girlfriends – We went to this cookie shop in Philadelphia, and they had a ton of fresh-baked cookies and all sorts of fun, inventive flavors, and they were selling their chocolate chip cookie dough in, like, pucks for you to take home and bake at home. And I turned to my girlfriends and said, I kind of just want this cookie dough. Does anybody want to share this tub with me? And, you know, as my college girlfriends, I'm sure we had sat on the couch and eaten cookie dough many, many times, but... It wasn't until that moment when we're we're sitting in the car eating this cookie dough that I thought, why is this not a thing? Like, I've been eating it for years. Now we're going to be worried about getting sick for the rest of the day. I actually wanted the cookie dough and all of those other flavors too. Uh, Why can't we have it so that it's safe to eat? And we had to just leave this cute little bakery to go sit in the car because if we sat inside this place, they would have looked at us like our heads were on backwards (laughs) and been like, excuse me, ma'am, you shouldn't be doing that. So that was the moment where like I kind of had this light bulb idea where I was like, maybe I could make this a thing. Did you go to Google and look up whether anyone else was doing this at the time? I did and nobody was. And so and I was like, it's at this point, it was 2012, I think. So I'm like, there's got to be a way like we knew everyone knows that eggs, you know, eating raw eggs is not safe, could potentially have salmonella. And I thought there either has to be a replacement or a way to make it safe. And then through a lot of other research, I also found that the flour, eating raw flour, is potentially hazardous. Interesting. Um, So I just started experimenting and, you know, working on some recipes and trying to just figure out, you know, just thinking about this idea in the back of my head for, for years, actually, before I acted on it. When you were thinking about this idea, were you just trying to solve the problem for yourself or were you like, this could be a business if I can figure it out? Both. Like secretly, selfishly, I was certainly doing it for myself. But I also thought, you know, there was everyone I talked to loved cookie dough and had shared the same sentiment that I did. And so I thought maybe this could be a thing. You know, it was the kind of the middle of the cupcake craze. And I'm like, why couldn't this be its own dessert where you really celebrate it? There's so many different ways to eat cookie dough, baked, unbaked. Some people like it in ice cream. Some people, well, you know, there's why can't we make it an experience? So 
how long did it take to go from having this idea, figuring out the right formulation of ingredients to launching this as a business? What were those steps? So I was talking about the idea to everybody. I was, you know, just getting their feedback, seeing if anybody else would buy it, kind of like just doing my own consumer research with friends and family. And so I probably talked about it for almost two years. And finally, it got to the point where people that I'm close with, I would see after a couple months or, you know, catch up with again. And they were like, hey, how's that cookie dough idea going? And I embarrassingly was like, oh, I'm not doing anything with it. You know, like I'm working full time as a consultant, you know, traveling. I was in my mid-20s. I had gotten engaged. It's just like living your life. You're busy. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And so I was like, oh, yeah, I need to like maybe do something with that. And I hate people that talk about things and don't actually act upon them or complain about things and don't actually do anything to change. And so I was like, I'm not going to be one of those people. I want to actually see if I can do something with this. So after about, you know, two years of thinking about it, I finally was like, okay, January 2014, I'm going to sit down. I mean, I don't know how to start a business. What do you do? I was like, Google business plan. (laughs) Did you actually write a business plan? Yeah, I did. Well, I didn't know where to start. Well, what I started with was what I knew. And I knew about branding because that was what I was doing for five years in the city and professionally. And I knew about baking. So I started there. My fiance, now husband, very coincidentally and thankfully for me, has an MBA. So I was like, we kind of tag teamed. And I was like, look, I'll do the baking, the branding, the design, all of the creative aspect. Help me put numbers to this and, you know, price the cost out all the recipes. And he works in real estate development on on his normal day job. So help me understand what a space cost and looking at New York real estate. You know, I always had this vision for it being an actual physical store. So we started this business plan January 2014. We worked on it for about you know, four or five months as we're, you know, wedding planning and just spending nights and weekends doing what we can. It finally got to the point in about May where we had a pretty buttoned up plan. And it was to the point where we were like trying to figure out the money situation. We didn't have a ton of money. I didn't have any money to invest. So we were, you know, going to meet with banks and try and see what kind of loan options we had and connecting with people in the Small Business Bureau and just trying to understand that aspect of it. And this was in May. We were getting married in July. Oh and my so goodness. we I was like, look, let's just pause this. We'll after the honeymoon, we'll pick it right back up and start here and, you know, kind of revisit all of these things and then go from there. But what happened in this time was in the middle of May, I ended up getting incredibly ill. I contracted this allergic reaction to an antibiotic I was prescribed. And I ended up in the hospital for three weeks in the ICU on life support, you know, conveniently right before my wedding, (laughs) which was kind of obviously crazy and insane and certainly put a pause on everything we were doing, you know, wedding, life, business, all of that kind of had to pause because of my illness. And it wasn't until after I, you know, luckily recovered and we, we ended up going through with the wedding that I was back in New York. And to me, when my life kind of flipped upside down, my all I wanted to do was go back to my normal life. Yeah. I was like, I everything changed. Your whole perspective the, on. Yeah, but I was like, I just want to go back to, to work and doing what I was doing and like Living a normal life. Living a normal life because I was my life was very not normal. I had to move home for a month and have my parents take care of me because I just, you know, I had to learn how to walk and be able to build up my stamina and eat and all of these things that you take for granted, you know. So it wasn't until I actually got back to my normal life 
that I, you know, normal quotes, that I was like, is this it? You know, this used to be so fulfilling. I used to, not that I didn't love my job, but I used to, I used to never think about like, you know, leaving or what made me happy. And I was back part time for, for a little bit. And I just picked up the business plan and picked up baking again, because that's what made me happy. And that's kind of what made all of the craziness and like the pain of the recovery kind of go away. It's just staying busy. That was, you know, fall of 2014. And that was the point where I decided I was in no like condition to actually pursue the retail component Mm. of the business. And I had, you know, just gone back to work and work was so generous with giving me the time off that I needed that I wasn't going to be like, oh, I'm taking more time off to figure this out. So I was like, okay, maybe I should launch the business online first and just see what the market's like. There's nothing else like this. So maybe it will take more consumer education that I'm thinking about. Maybe I should just learn how to, what I'm even doing nights and weekends while I'm still working and launch it that way and see what happens. So that's what I decided to do. We decided to like kind of almost scrap the business plan in a certain way because it was all geared towards the store. Create, you know, change our online website that was like, come to our store, landing page. Um, here's the address. Here's the menu to an e-commerce site. And we ended up launching bef- by the end of the year in 2014, right before right holiday, holiday season. So yeah, you we're launched like, we, at the, the best possible time. The best possible time and like the craziest possible time. But it was, yeah, exactly, you know. And where were you set up actually baking? Was oh, this in my in apartment? apartment. Yeah, yeah. In my, in my Brooklyn tiny apartment that I was, you know, sharing with my husband. And it was a joke. We ended up moving out all of our wedding gifts and moving in like commercial freezers and moving the cat, you know, making room for whatever we had to do to just test it and see what, if it could work. So what was the response? You remember the date that you launched? Yeah, I think it was like, I want to say it was like January 1st or January 3rd or something. Okay. So it was like almost six months exactly to the day I got released from the hospital. And then, so we launched and we launched, we launched this website, but like to crickets, you know what I mean? Like, we sent an email, a MailChimp email, to my family and my friends and my coworkers that knew I was working on it and my husband's coworkers. And I think there were like 125 people on the list. And at first, um, we started to get, you know, a few orders and it were all people we knew. My friends that lived away, just, you know, being nice and like supporting me and every single one of them that ordered, you know, or my mom's friend, down the neighbor down the street, whoever it was, everybody that ordered shared it on social media. And then that's kind of how other people found out about it. So we started getting some ran- random orders, like from people I was like, wait, I don't know this person. This is like, who is this? How do they find out about it? Did you have an Instagram account then? Had you started one from the beginning? Yeah, yes. I started one from the beginning. This was like, yeah, this was two thousand end of 2014. So, like, Instagram was certainly around, but, it, I mean, it's so different today. Of course. But, yeah, I started an account to just post pictures. And, obviously, people eat with their eyes. And cookie dough is something that is something that you see and crave. And um, the packaging is, you know, colorful. And everything was gift-wrapped and wanted it to certainly be a place for people to share. So people were sharing it on Instagram and Facebook. And then other people found out about it. And it kind of snowballed from there. How did you deal with the demand? Did it just happen so quickly and you had to figure out how to... Well, originally we were running 
basically on our, everywhere on the website, it was like, there's a seven to 10 day lead time because all I had time to do, I basically made cookie dough all weekend for like 18 hours a day on Saturday and Sunday, packaged everything. And then every night we would put together the orders. And then every morning we would wake up in the morning, you know, five or 6 a.m., put together packages, walk them to the post office in the morning, and then go to work and be there at nine. And then you know, get home, et cetera, et cetera. But the difficult thing was obviously running these two lives, but my job required me to travel a fair amount. Um, as a consultant, you kind of have to do what your client needs and it's very driven by deadlines. And my client at the time was in South Africa, <laughs> which made it even more difficult because- Not was, convenient for making cookie dough at night. <laughs> yeah, no. I was back and forth from South Africa a couple of times and this was like maybe beginning of 2015 and it got to a point where I was like, I can't keep doing this. I'm still, I'm still recovering. I'm, you know, trying to keep my sanity. And I think that I need to take the time to pursue and just see where this goes. Um, so luckily I have a great relationship with my boss at the time and he knew I was doing this. He was super supportive. And I went to him and I said, look, I don't know what the hell is going on. This was middle of February. I was like, I don't know what's going on. I don't know when people quit their jobs or take time off. Like, I just need time to figure it out. But I don't want to leave you guys high and dry. Like, you guys have been so great to me. I know I'm the lead on this project. Like, I want to stay on in whatever capacity. But if there's a way that we can kind of work something out. So thankfully, he was like, we'll do whatever you need. We'll make it work. Let me know what works for you. So I went back to him the next week and said, I think if I went down to part-time, I'm in the office two days a week working remotely, you know, as I need to with emails and deadlines, I will stay on with this client project and any client that I am currently the face of, but take me off of any new business, any new projects, you know. So I went down to part-time and after about a month of that, I went back to him and I was like, Okay, this is still – I think once this project wraps up, which it wrapped it, wrapped up at the end of April, I was like, I got to just take some time and figure out. What did that feel like to share that with him in that moment? I mean, it was scary, to be honest. I didn't – I still didn't know what I was doing. I didn't know that – I thought that there was still a lot of potential, but it's not like I was making so much money. It wasn't about the money. It was just like I felt like I needed to give this all 100%, and I – and it also wasn't fair to – to him or to them to constantly when I'm at work be thinking about dough and when I'm at dough be stressed about work so I was like I just it's just better for everybody if I take the time I can always go back to them or get another job if this doesn't work out but I feel like I need to see where this goes did you have in your head like this might not work out or were you just so focused I'm gonna make this happen I don't know that I ever thought it wouldn't work out I just yeah, I guess I was just like, I'll, I'll figure it out. And, and things were, we were growing. And at, at that point, it was like, I can't even hire people until I get a space. And I can't get a space until, like, I got to move this out of my apartment, <laughs> obviously, for many reasons. I need to invest in a space. I need to get staff. I need to, like, do all of these things. And I can't do it when my mind is elsewhere. So I just took the leap. And luckily, I had a great support system. Coming up. You'll hear the one thing Kristen wishes she had done before she started her own bakery that would have kept her from having to reinvent the wheel. All right, so we're now in April of, we're in 2015 now, right? 2015. April, April of 2015. April, we signed a lease on a space in Midtown that we built out into be a commercial kitchen. 
And that commercial kitchen, I hired my first employee, um, a pastry chef right out of Institute of Culinary Education. She's still my pastry chef today, my executive chef. And we continued to ship nationwide. And then we also started doing delivery in the city and working on, we were getting catering requests. So we started kind of with those as our main sources of revenue. And what also ended up happening was we had our location, which was like a second floor in a walk-up building, a commercial walk-up building that was super sketchy. The building was, not our like space, but (laughs) we had it listed as a pickup location because being in Midtown East, some people didn't want to pay the courier fees. They wanted to walk by and get it at their lunchtime, but everything was made to order. So you ordered through the website, you picked it up, et cetera. But people, because they found out where we were located, we started getting random people that just showed up and were like, oh, I'm here to for cookie dough. No. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And at first, I was freaking out because I was like, what's your order number? We forgot something. Like, how did this get mixed or missed? And and they're like, oh, no, we didn't order ahead. We just, you know, you're craving something. You go and you want it and you get it. And so this your space ha- is your kitchen space. This it's is our kitchen not, space. This, yeah, you no, did not have like, a storefront yet. No, no, no. Yeah. This is not a storefront. You just walked into our kitchen, which we welcomed. Like, come on in. You see the whole, you know, the whole thing happening. Um, here's a taste of whatever we're making. And that started to happen more and more frequently. And at, at first I was like telling people, oh, just order online and we'll get it, have it free tomorrow. You know, we really didn't have anything extra. We didn't want to give somebody else's order away. And I thought, this is crazy. We can't turn these people away that are seeking us out, coming here. They want cookie dough. I'm not the one to tell them no. So we started just making larger batches of whatever we were making and we started packaging them and we would call them the extras. And whatever we had as extras, we would sell. And when they were gone, they were gone. And, you know, we would make more as we did our production. And that, again, kind of snowballed. Once people found out that we had stuff to buy, more people came. The more people came, the more we made, you know. So we bought a whole extra fridge and an extra freezer that were all extras. We moved a bunch of our storage. We got another um, unit in the building to do storage and shipping. And that walk-in traffic became a consistent part of the business. And so that, for me, was the best testing ground for retail, it was kind of like I'm a like, mini... you can go back to your original business plan now. <laughs> exactly. It was like a little mini retail yeah. store because it it certainly wasn't the experience, experience I was envisioning for my consumers, but it was the best test market because people would come in and we would sell it in. We had two sizes at the time and they would say, can I get more than one flavor? Can I... Do you have ice cream with it? Can I add toppings to it? Can I do all of these things? So I'm just taking notes like... Whatever they're asking about, I'm writing down because that's obviously how they want the experience to be. Mm. It's not – I mean, our answer was no, no, no <laughs> <Back then. laughs> to all of those things back then. But that was, for me, a good way to see what people really wanted. And so after I was in business for a year, so it was the end of 2015 at this point, that's when I started to say, like, okay, I want to go back to that original idea. I know that this concept can work. People are purchasing it. They're interested in it. The business is growing. This is not the experience. We had taken over a third unit in the building. So I'm like, by the time I add up these three rents, I might as well have a storefront and take advantage of New York City foot traffic. So we started looking for real estate after holiday season. So January of 2016, I was like on a mission to to go to retail. And was your husband involved in the business? Did he quit his job too and get involved? He was still working full time, but he was also very involved. He was, you know, I was working on it 24-7. So anytime that he wasn't at 
his office. He was helping me nights, weekends, doing anything from insurance to payroll to, you know, at some point I taught him how to make cookie dough because I was like, you gotta, I, this is what I need at the time. And he's the best and most supportive That's awesome. person to have on my team. So he would do anything, you know, whether it's fixing things, mopping the floor, it didn't matter. No job was too big or too small. So he was certainly involved. This was his like second full-time job. Oh, I love it. Can put him to work. Right? <laughs> oh yeah, and he seemed very helpful. Yeah. <laughs> so you said your first hire um, was a chef who you still have to this day. Yes. Who did you hire next, and how did you figure out how to hire fast enough? Who to hire? Did you make mistakes initially when you were first starting? Yeah, it was hard, especially because I got into the business because I loved baking, right? So it was difficult for me to even give that up in the beginning because. I was doing everything, but I realized there are aspects of the business that I need to own and that I can't teach to somebody else, whereas the baking aspect, there are actually people much more qualified than I am in that regard. So she was my first hire, and then my second hire, we actually took on um, a couple, it was like summertime, May, took on a couple interns that summer, Some, you know, a daughter of somebody I worked with and a couple people that, random people, and I ended up hiring one of those interns full-time as my next hire and she helped with everything whether it was helping me in the kitchen she was kind of the jack of all trades um also still with me today that was like uh, kind of out of necessity and then the next few hires were production people for the kitchen like we were just needed to make more and we were shipping more so those were the people that I hired and then as we continued to grow the the business and the corporate side grew as well so how many people do you have today working for you? Oh, today today is probably 55. Wow. And what is your day-to-day like now versus when you first started? Oh my gosh, what are you focused so on? So different. Yeah. I'm focused on kind of running all different aspects of the business. The business has obviously grown in many different ways. So and I'm checking in constantly with my corporate team who are all managing their own part of the business. Um and just making sure things are running smoothly. Obviously, I'm the face of the brand and doing any sort of PR and marketing. And my day is like just madness always. You just never know. Just got to keep going. Got to keep going. Yeah. Are there things that you know now that you wish you knew when you were first starting the business that would have helped you? Because we have a lot of listeners who are thinking of starting a business, a lot of food entrepreneurs who would love to start a business like this. And I'm sure they could learn so much from from maybe some of the mistakes that you made or yeah. things that you wish you knew. I think mistakes are so important because they're learning opportunities. And I do think that when you make mistakes, you don't make them again and you really grow from them. So I've certainly made a ton of those. But the one thing I wish I would have done was I wish I would have worked in a bakery or a food business before I started my own bakery. Only because it was like I had, felt like I was like had to reinvent the wheel. Like I didn't know anything about, especially when we opened up our retail store, about scheduling or Mm. staffing or any of like just how a normal operation kind of runs I had because I had been doing the e-commerce I had that down pat but the whole extra retail portion of it was was new and different and I wish I would have like gotten a counter job at a coffee shop or a bakery just to kind of understand the operation of like opening and closing and like the basics that I had no idea about so I always tell people when I talk to entrepreneurs is if there's any opportunity to like get some time in the business that you are trying to start, you know, whether it's interning or spending some nights and weekends or picking up a couple shifts, like whatever you can to get your feet in somewhere just to wrap your mind around how someone else operates their business, I think would be 
something I wish I would have done. That's actually really, really good advice. And over the past few years, your business, of course, has exploded through the growth of Instagram and social media. But any other marketing tips you can share that really helped make this a viral sensation and continue to grow today? So I guess my social media tip would would be about just being authentic. You know, I didn't really have time to like look outside and see what other people were doing. We were just trying to be true to ourselves and staying true to our vision. Um, and, and I think that helped us because people can see and can tell what is authentic and what isn't authentic. And so I think that was really important for us to, to grow and to continue to grow. And so right now, I'm sitting here staring at your beautiful cookbook, Hello Cookie Dough, as well as other treats that are here. Can you share a little bit about what we're looking at here so everyone can, yeah. can hear about it? And then I'll tell you guys what it tastes like. And right. You guys can order it. So we obviously started with the cookie dough, which is in the containers. And the, that's what we ship nationwide. Those are available in store. We And then we kind of expanded our product line. I wanted to Baking for me was something that I learned to love in my own kitchen. And so I wanted to share that experience. You know, there's only so many people that can come to New York or so many people that are going to ship this to their front door. But they, if they're not going to do that, I wanted to teach them how to do it. So that was the extension of the book, our line of baking mixes. For you to be able to eat and make safe to eat cookie dough in the comfort of your home and with the people that you love was incredibly important for me to share. So – what That's, what is the secret to safe cookie dough, or do you have to get the book to find it? <laughs> I'll t- I won't tell you how, but I'll tell you I'll tell you a little bit. Like I mentioned, the eggs and the flour are raw, not safe to eat. So I teach you in the book how to make them safe to eat, or where how to find them and purchase them safe to eat, so that you once you sub out those two ingredients, you can make cookie dough in lots of different flavors and forms, and make sure that it's safe to eat and it's bakeable. All of our cookie dough and all of our recipes in the book are – you can also put in the oven and it makes a really delicious cookie. All right. So what flavors do you have here? Should we do a little – Yeah. Should we do a little taste test here? Absolutely. This is from our New York City pack, which is black and white cookie. So, mm. so this is our new seasonal um, rainbow brownie chip. Oh, my gosh. That looks absolutely delicious. I think we're going to have to Sugar try Sugar cookie, some. Dunkadoo. We've got some, like, classic and some new – I mean, we've got to try them all. Yeah, let's try them. Our cookie dough truffle, <gasps> of course, covered in sprinkles. When you first launched, you started with one flavor and then you started to slowly expand or you always had a few flavors? I always had a bunch of flavors. So we have 20 flavors now, which includes gluten-free options, vegan options. And that experience that I talk a lot about is – let me pull this out. The experience is all about you eating cookie dough however you want to eat it. So whether you like it raw, whether you like it baked, whether you like it mixed with ice cream, that – is all happening in our store. So it's kind of a make-your-own experience when you come in. Mm, Just oh my giving God. you the ability to choose and pick. Yeah. I mean, what's not to like, right? This is absolutely delicious. <laughs> and when I... I'm tasting this, it just brings me back to my childhood. Which is what so many people say, which is like exactly what I was going for. Yes. And I think that... It's interesting. I think that there's like mm. this emotional, nostalgic piece to the business that... Not that I was necessarily planning for, but you almost can't capture in like in a business plan situation where you're like, uh, you can't quantify that. But it's so important, that emotional response that you and many other people have when they eat it. 
Hold on. We have to we, – I think we're going to have to stop this interview. I need to have another <laughs> bite of this before I keep going. Yeah, so that bite box has our four most popular flavors, chocolate chip, cake batter, sugar cookie, and brookie dough. So I'm eating – this is the regular chocolate, That's the chocolate chip. chip. Yeah, classic. That is I'm the first recipe I came up with, our bestseller to this day. It is exact, like tastes exactly like making – Do you eat this every single day? I eat it most days, yeah. Oh, my gosh. I eat some variety. Yes. It's not always exactly like that, but we're constantly recipe testing, especially for the book. It was like eating a million desserts, which is – I have a huge sweet tooth, and a cookie for breakfast is okay in my opinion. I'm, I'm with you. I'm, so, a big, I'm a big sweet tooth uh, sweet yeah, tooth person. Yeah. So there's always something to munch on, which is good. Up next, learning to live by hell yes or hell no, setting an example for other people and a surprise. You can connect with us at socialflyny.com and follow us on Instagram at entrepreneistas. Check out all our latest episodes at entrepreneistapodcast.com. A common theme from all of the guests we've interviewed on our podcast so far is that they've all relied on support from other women through groups. So we decided to start an Entrepreneista Facebook group. Head on over to Facebook and search Entrepreneistas. We really wanted to create a community for Entrepreneistas to connect, share ideas, help each other solve problems, and learn from all of our collective experiences. If you join the group, it's really a safe space to talk about being an entrepreneur, sharing your wins, asking for help when needed, and we can't wait to meet you so we can learn and grow together. Kristen, something I always say is that running a business and being an entrepreneur might not always be as glamorous as it looks on Instagram. Oh, yeah, and I know, no. especially with your Instagram, because your Instagram <laughs> is quite glamorous and colorful. And when you're in the kitchen and you're baking, things just look incredible. But yeah. you had a lot of success, almost instant success, very early on in your business. What was that actually like? What was going on behind the scenes? Yeah, so it wasn't – I mean, the business was growing and chugging along, but we really had this kind of crazy skyrocketed growth when we opened up that retail store that I've talked so much about. It was in January of 2017. It was the first, like, experience like this. So I think people were just enamored by the ability to eat cookie dough. And that first weekend, we had – a four-hour line down the street, down the block in the middle of the winter in New York City, which was amazing because I was concerned that, I mean, what if nobody shows up? You don't know. You just spent all this money on this build-out. We invested every single dollar that we made the past two years into this, you know, idea. And if that didn't work, then that was it. But the lines continued and the craziness continued and people started lining up an hour before we opened and we ran out every single day and it was insanity and everyone was so excited and in telling me how proud they were of me but what was happening on the inside was it was really hard i mean i was obviously so thankful for the response and so thankful for the the people that were waiting outside in the cold and wanting to try this so bad but for me as a business owner we were not set up to deal with the demand I didn't know what the hell I was doing. I was barely sleeping. We were my staff was barely sleeping. I was just trying to like every like hour by hour, you know what I mean? With a 4-hour line there are issues that come up. There are, you know, you're dealing with the police and the community board and angry neighbors and like lots of 
other stuff that was happening behind the scenes that wasn't glamorous and it wasn't fun and it was really stressful and scary for me because I didn't want to I also didn't want to disappoint all of these people that had come out come from far away I wanted them to have a good experience and I was putting so much pressure on making sure everything was was perfect and it wasn't it wasn't at all so but what did you do did you have someone to turn to who helped you oh my god I mean my husband obviously was amazing and I had a good core group of people of employees but everybody was fried and we you know luckily did what we had to do but we had to ramp up production and staffing we very quickly opened up a new facility because we ran out of space. I mean, we just had to figure things out really quickly and make as many, you know, ton of hires and just figure it all out. So it was, but what was happening behind the scenes was really rough and difficult at the time, even though on the outside, it was like we were getting all this press and media and the line, you know, it was like so many good things, but behind the scenes, it was like, it was their day. You were Madness. like, no, don't put us in another <laughs> press article. We need a break today. <laughs> I mean, there were, I, luckily I had a PR team at the yeah. time and they w- were helpful in like trying to space things out and give us time because, yeah, everybody wanted to come in and record. And I'm like, I am here at 4 a.m. every morning training new staff. I am here until midnight, 2 a.m. cleaning the floor. Like I am not sleeping. So they they were very helpful in like navigating those types of conversations because I was like, I can't do another interview, you know, right now. Let's like space it out because it was just too much. How long was it before you felt like you could come up for air and breathe and be like, wow, we did this, we got through it, and now we're on the other side and things are things I mean, can just coast? Or it, do you never coast <laughs> as an entrepreneur? There's no such thing as coasting. But yeah. it wasn't until we opened up the new facility, which took us a couple months to get up and running, that I felt like we had a little bit more breathing room. But the line from an hour before we opened till we closed or ran out – happened every single day for 10 months straight and obviously so thankful for all of those people and so happy that everyone this idea was resonating with them and they were so excited to try it it probably wasn't until the craziness of the like constant line kind of died down that we could really take a breath and be like oh my god what just happened (laughs) well I feel like a theme of so many of the stories you've just shared is just your resilience from you know having this horrible illness happen when you were first had the idea to start a business to just being able to problem solve as you've gone along in your journey running this business and I know when we initially connected back in July you shared with me that you are going through fertility treatments now starting your business can you share a little bit more about your experience being a business owner and now trying to navigate your personal life trying to start a family and what that was like yeah so I mean for my husband and I we've always wanted a family there's never like a right time to start you know and so when we did finally decide to start, obviously the we felt like the, the business was in a better place and that was like our baby and it still is, you know, always. We started to try and have a family and I think there's this perception that it's just going to be easy and it wasn't. It wasn't at all for us and we hit a lot of different complications a- a- along the way. But for me, it was like 
I've always been determined. I knew I was always going to have a family one way or another. So for me, it was like almost like how I approach any other thing in life or business. It's like, okay, what's next? What do I need to do? Like, what's the next step? What do I need to learn? You know, so I'm constantly just like, okay, we found this out. What's next? You know, like, let's just keep going and keep persevering and we'll make it work. So, so what happened? Because you're pregnant now. Congratulations. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So I started IVF this past summer. And luckily, the, you know, we got a n- number of very healthy, healthy eggs, the first um, retrieval, and you were so gracious in sharing your story. And I'm, you know, constantly messaging you with like questions about God knows what medication and all these things. I think I was sending you videos of how to how to do a progesterone yes. shot. Oh my God, because I was I was like, there's no way it's this painful. Like, what am I doing wrong? Um, but people like you, I mean, being able to connect with people like you is so helpful in situations like that because it is a lonely journey yeah. and you don't really know what you're doing, even though you can find something online and like look it up. It's good to like have a connection with somebody who has been through it before. And yeah, luckily we did... The first transfer, like, the week before my book came out, week and a half. Timing always, right? <laughs> yeah, you know, there's just just got to do it. Yes, we're expecting the summer. So, so exciting. So, yes, very excited. How was it hard managing going through fertility treatments while you were also trying to run a business? Not trying to run a business, running a business. <laughs> yeah. I think that, again, for me, it was, like, just something I had to yeah. do, and I just made it work with – part of you know my busy schedule I knew this was a priority so whether it was making time to change my schedule around and go to the doctor every other day go to acupuncture changing my diet doing all the things that I was supposed to be doing I think the one good thing about being a business owner is even though you're I'm working 24 7 I have a little bit of flexibility to make my own schedule and block my calendar out during times that I know I need to you know, take time off because I'm having a surgery or whatever the case is. Um, And I think it's, I think the other thing is being an entrepreneur is like a very emotional journey is there's lots of ups and lots of downs. And I, just my personality, I like am very in the middle. Like I, it's it's not always good because I don't always celebrate the highs and I don't always get affected by the lows because I'm just like trying to (laughs) stay very even. And I felt like I was very similar with the, fertility journey as well it was like even though it's a very personal and emotional journey I was like just trying to stay even and kind of like okay there's bad news good news but what's next like how do we just got to keep going I always say I feel like running a business prepared me for all of my future health challenges that were to come because you just learn how to yeah you learn how to navigate everything you just deal like these are the cards you're given You can't change them, and so you figure out a new way to kind of make it work. That's constantly what – you just make it work. Yep, make it work. I hear you on that. All right, so now for some really fun questions. Yeah. What Besides your location, what are your other favorite NYC spots to go to? Oh, my gosh. Restaurants, anything. I feel like our restaurant restaurants are like – I'm such like a neighborhood junkie when I get home, and I'm like, okay, which spot are we going to choose? We just recently moved, but our favorite – neighborhood spots will forever be in Brooklyn. Rukla and Colony are like our go-tos. We, at this point, the bartenders know us by name <laughs> and by drink, and that means you spend too much money there. Um, otherwise, just love, I love trying new places. I think being in the food industry, New York is like the best place to be. So any new restaurant, any new place, new dish to to try, I'm always 
adventurous. I love that. And what's one thing our entrepreneurs audience would be so surprised to find out about you that they just wouldn't know from looking at your Instagram or following you? I think a lot of people don't know I'm actually gluten-free, which I've been for many years. And people are like, how do you run a bakery being gluten-free? But you make it work, like all things. And I also, shockingly, have never had a cavity my whole life, even though I eat a lot of sugar and a lot of cookie dough. What's the secret there? Is there a specific toothpaste? I don't know. (laughs) I don't even know. Because, yeah, I don't know. I feel like it's almost like you're either – destined to like you either get them or you don't get them like it's something in your like genetic makeup and I've never had one and I mean I obviously take care of my teeth but yeah I don't know never had a cavity wow that is very shocking and surprising (laughs) what would you say is your favorite mantra or quote that you live by is there something you tell yourself every day or share with everyone a couple things I always say trust your gut I think it's so important yes because you're the only person who like knows where you're going and you just like feel it. Is there a time you didn't trust your gut or listen to yourself and you should have? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And then I like kick myself because I'm like, I'm not doing what I'm like, tell other people to do. Yeah. Trust your gut. I think something my mom always said growing up is what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. And I hated that when I was a kid because it was she was basically like, stop complaining, like you're fine. But it's it is true. It's very true. You learn from your mistakes and What doesn't kill you really does make you stronger. And another thing, which I think we've talked about earlier, is if it's not a hell yes, it's a hell no. And I think that that's taken me a longer time to realize, especially in business. You know, at first it's like you'll say yes to everything and anything. And I'm not saying that that's wrong at all, especially when you're starting out. But now I'm in the place where I'm more established and more selective with my time and energy and have a clear direction about where the business is and going. So opportunities, whether it's, you know, partnerships or pop-ups or whatever the case is, it's like if it, it's partly trusting your gut, but also like if it's not a hell yes, like we're in, let's do this. then it's like, why, why do it? Why are we doing it? Why are we spending the time? Why are we spending the time, energy, money? How do you, how do you decide now what to say yes to? Because you're in a different place in your business than when you first started out. So what is on the horizon for you? What is coming and how do you make those decisions? Yeah, I guess the decision making process is like now we have data to kind of look back at and compare things to and understand a metric to of what success looks like for us. So I think that's helpful as just setting some like guardrails about opportunities that come our way. And for us, it's always for me, it's always about, you know, what's next is like just connecting with more people. This book, you know, just came out. So sharing that love of cookie dough and doing that in your at home kitchen is really important for me to just continue spreading ultimately just joy through cookie dough and baked goods and dessert. I love that. Well, speaking of spreading joy, you brought all of your treats here. We have a special treat for you if you look right below your seat. Oh, my God. Entrepreneurista bag. We thank want to you. thank you so much for Wait, you're the cutest. spending the morning with me and sharing your <gasps> so story. Cute. Thank and you. And if you open the little um, thing that's wrapped this. there. Yes. Ooh, fancy. We'll see if you have these yet. <laughs> I don't think I do. I definitely do not. I love them. Thank you. So they're two spoons. They're like ceramic. One's blue. One's kind of oatmeal colored. So cute. Perfect for my kitchen collection. Yes, for your new for your new home. My new house. Yes. Thank you so much. Enjoy. Those are the cutest. Oh, I love this. A new notebook. A you notebook. can write down all your notes at night when you yes. think of stuff in your sleep. Right? Yes. Thank you. So enjoy. Yeah. Kristen, what would you say you're grateful for each day? 
Uh, grateful for my support system that includes my employees, obviously my husband, my family. And I'm grateful for the chance to spread joy every day. I love that. Spreading joy each day. You're in the business of spreading joy. That's, <laughs> That's amazing. Like. I'm not in the bakery business at all. It's like the business of spreading you joy. just gave me the chills. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and my last question for you is what does being an entrepreneurista mean to you? So I think it means having – I don't know if it's confidence or conviction to kind of just do you and whatever that means and you know, setting exa- an example for other people and – navigating this whole journey kind of in your own way because I think there's as all entrepreneurs know there's not a rule book and so you're just owning what you're doing and having the confidence to keep going yes the confidence to keep going absolutely well thank you so much for being here and having this conversation with me and sharing your story and journey with all of our listeners I know I've learned so much from from speaking with you and can't wait to continue to share your story and spread more joy yes absolutely thank you for having me Kristen where can everyone find you follow you and of course buy this delicious dough cookie dough yes absolutely so follow me personally Kristen Tomlin at Kristen Tomlin um, or visit my website Kristen Tomlin.com. And then the cookie dough, most importantly, is cookiedonyc.com. Our Instagram handle is the same. And for all of you listeners, there's a special discount code, Entrepreneurista, at checkout, and you'll get 20% off. Yum. 20% off code, Entrepreneurista. Putting it in. I'm saving it right now. <laughs> yes. I use this all the time. Thank you. Of course. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm Stephanie, and this is the most delicious business meeting I've ever had. Thanks for listening.